It's time for episode 226 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 31st, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a show that can feature roughly 15 renditions of the Minute Waltz. I'm your co-host, Dan Warren, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. How are you doing? Hi, Dan. You know, I heard that the uh, the minute waltz is actually a little bit longer than a minute. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know where you learned that, but I, I found that a fascinating piece of trivia. Absolutely. Uh, well, this is, of course, the show where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, my former colleague at Macworld and the author most recently of Take Control of High Sierra, it's Sholly McFarland. Hi, Sholly. Hello. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. <laughs> and to my left is senior editor at The Wire Cutter, it's Dan Frakes. How you doing, Dan? Good, good. If Sholly's here, I must be here. <laughs> well, of course, we're going to talk about four tech topics. I'm going to kick things off today. Reports this week suggest that Apple is dialing back new features in its next iOS update in order to focus on software quality. Uh, if that does happen to be the case, what's one thing that you would like to see them really work on? Sholly? I would say my biggest concern is performance. I have an iPhone 6. I'm an every other year upgrader, roughly. And I loved my iPhone 6 until I upgraded to iOS 11. And at first, I thought the terrible performance was just a beta bug because I, I do do the beta testing. But it didn't go away. And when I found out a few weeks ago that this was because Apple was... Um, throttling my phone CPU as my battery battery life diminished, I was very sad. Um, but performance is the biggest problem through everything with me. When I try to, I do a lot of live blogging on my iPhone. And when I try to type the keys stick, the virtual keys stick, mm -hmm. I have lags and crashes. And the other issue, and I don't know if people have, have I haven't heard as much about this, but I've also had a lot of trouble with Siri. And I used to use Siri a lot, especially in the car um, or when I, when I wanted to create reminders or calendar events. But since I upgraded to iOS 11, Siri has been really slow and responsive also. And it requires multiple pushes, my home button, just to try to, you know, you just keep pushing and pushing and there's no Siri. It lags and often it just is completely unresponsible, unresponsive. So that is my hope is that this newest upgrade really tries to fix a lot of these problems. And mm. I am on the wait list to get a new battery too. So maybe that will help. Mm. Mm -hmm. But um, performance, that's what it's about for me. You know, it's hard to come up with another thing uh, aside from that. Um, I haven't had any specific issues in a long time. I think instead of just saying uh, general performance, I will say uh, wireless performance. And I mean that in every sense of the word. I mean that when it comes to airdropping, um, to controlling devices over Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Um, just yesterday, and boy howdy, you're going to have to forgive me because this is the most first world problem of first world problems. But um, <laughs> I was controlling, I was all nuzzled up in bed um, and uh, the dogs had fallen asleep on my lap and on my side, and like I didn't want to disturb them either. Uh, and I wanted to turn off the television. And what I can typically do is hold down the home button 
um, on the, on the Siri remote and then hit the sleep button and it will turn off both my television and the Apple TV, uh, all in one go. Well, my remote was out of reach if I didn't want to disturb the dogs and also my premium comfort. And so I, you know, had my phone by me, which that's a bad thing, but I did. Um, and so I opened up the remote app. Well, suddenly the television, the Apple TV that was on and running right in front of me was disconnected in the Apple TV remote app somehow. It just was not connected. So I tried a bunch of different things. It didn't work. Finally, I got it connected. But then when I went to do the home and shut down daily, uh, then for some reason, the HDMI CEC nonsense that lets you turn off both of those things was not working. So that's a little bit of tvOS and Apple TV issues as well. But, um, uh, you know, iOS, tvOS, uh, they're all sort of lumped into one. Dan, what about you? Mine's probably not at the top of most people's list, but uh, I mean, it's a feature that even I didn't use much until a few years ago. But uh, these days, our family uses it a lot, and that's parental controls. So we use it on both Mac OS and iOS, and on both platforms, it's, uh, it's one of those features that it feels like Apple wants to say that it has, but no one at the company ever actually uses it on a daily basis. Like, hey, we have parental controls, but nobody uses it. Um, uh, I mean, there's plenty of useful features in there, but... You have to jump through so many hoops just to get anything working right. Uh, just an example, we have it set up so that we have an iCloud family, and uh, we have it set up so that our kids have to get permission to install a new app. And so you would think that would be an easy thing, but what it involves is one of the kids finds an app they want, they want to download. They press download. It asks them for their full iCloud password, um, which in our case is a secure password. They don't know, so they have to come to us. We have to type the whole like 14 digits in by hand because Touch ID doesn't work here. Uh, then it asks them again for the password again, because I guess there's one for downloading, one for requesting. I don't know. So then it comes to us. We have to approve it. And for us to approve it, we've got to put in our iCloud password. Touch ID, face ID don't work. And then we finally do that. You know, we, uh, we've got a secure password. So that means we got to look it up in one password and paste it over or whatever. Then it goes back to the kid. And then the kid says, okay, you've been approved. <laughs> Enter your iCloud password again. And so then they got to do this again. And then it asks them again. So we're talking five secure passwords to install one app. Lord have mercy. It's very secure. Let me tell you, those <laughs> kids would never, would never be able to, to install a, uh, an app on their own. Unfortunately, I think they are still, they are, that is one of the things they said they are working on in the next version, or supposedly according to this story, that's one thing they're working on. The thing I picked out, um, which has given me a lot of grief, is uh, autocorrect and typing. I have a lot of problems with autocorrect and typing, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe yeah. it's me. Well, you got to learn how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> One thing at a time. Um, but I run into a lot of problems sometimes where it, it really, like, I type in a word, or it's pretty close to a word, and, and autocorrect's like, nah, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, really? Really? How many different things could that be? Uh, and then sometimes I put in a word that's a valid word, and it's like, no, I think you meant this word. And I was like, I really didn't. Um, and then beyond that, also, there was a point at which I felt like, and I think I've I've related this before, very early on, the uh, Apple bragged about how it was very smart about predicting what l keys you might type next, and it would, like, uh, enlarge the tap targets for some of those keys. So, the, like, not visually, but, like, the area of, like, where you could tap around a key would be like, ah, oh, they probably meant this key because it's more likely that letter comes next. I feel like the, any sort of predictive typing has gotten much worse for me uh, on iOS over the last few years, and it really seems like an area that we all use all the time and so either i haven't adapted correctly to the system or the system hasn't adapted correctly to me and i'm gonna go with that one because that one <laughs> makes me feel better so i hope it gets some love 
in the next version of iOS. But all of your suggestions also worthwhile. I hope Apple is listening. Thanks for your thoughts. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Sholly. Well, my topic is about the iPhone 10. So in advance of Apple's earnings report tomorrow, we've started seeing stories claiming that slow sales for the iPhone 10 have caused Apple to cut its production in half. My question is, are you surprised? Why or why not? Did you buy one? And do you like it? So as far as being surprised, honestly, I, I'm not sure. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about how everyone else feels about the iPhone 10 because <laughs> I quite, I quite like my iPhone 10. As far as them, uh, cutting production, uh, and disappointing sales, I could definitely see why that would be a factor if it ends up being true, simply because it is a more expensive iPhone. And I think that we're still, we're we're just now creeping out of the period of time where people start to understand the difference between those old two-year subsidized contracts where they end up spending more money on a phone and this new world where we sort of either lease our phone or we pay for it over the course of time and then don't have to pay for it anymore after that period of time. Um, and so while we're still in that that stage, there are people who maybe hear the price of the iPhone and say, that's way too much. Um, and then I also think that there are just some things about the iPhone 10 that are so different that um, your everyday people who buy iPhones are maybe put off by those features and it, it might be too much uh, all at once. What do you think, Dan? So I, I'm to start with, I'm taking these reports with a uh, huge grain of salt. I'm trying to think of all my years in the Mac industry, like how many times we got heard reports of like a production cut for you know, various products, whether it's a computer or a phone, and um, and they rarely turned out to be accurate or at least as bad as people are saying. So um, I'll, I'll believe it when Apple reports it. But uh, as for the phone itself, you know, it's a it's a fantastic phone. I mean, it may be the best phone in the market. Uh, I don't I don't think there's many people who are arguing against that part about it. But um, you know, it's really expensive, and I've I've been using it alongside an eight and an eight plus for a few months now, uh, and it's. For this particular, this first version, it's tough for me to say that most people should spend that substantial extra money for what it gives you over the other two, um, especially if you're coming from a plus size phone. I think that's an issue that, you know, I think most people who are coming from a standard size phone, like, you know, six, seven, eight, it's, it's fantastic. It's better in pretty much every way. If you're coming from a, a plus phone, though, uh, it feels in some ways more like a side grade because the plus phones actually give you more usable screen real estate, even though technically the dimensions are, you know, the diagonal dimensions shorter. Um, so I'm actually hoping that the rumors of a plus size 10 are true this, this year, as it would feel for me as a plus lover, that it would feel like less of a compromise there. But, um, and I think a lot of people also, you know, people I've talked to who really like the idea of the 10, they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to wait a year and see if some of those cool features are in cheaper phones next year, so I don't have to spend, you know, eleven hundred, twelve hundred bucks for, um, you know, for the one that I want, I would want right now. So, um, it doesn't surprise me that 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 sales are not quite as much as Apple would have hoped. But again, I take these production cut in half claims with a big grain of salt. Yeah, like Dan, I mean, I, I'm always a little skeptical of these reports. Other reports suggest it sells really well. Who knows until Apple reports what actually happened, and they don't often break out individual models. So there's a question there. That said, I agree wholeheartedly, as Micah pointed out, this is an expensive phone. 
Uh, it's not going to be one that, that everybody buys. And more to the point, uh, with an iPhone 8 released at the same time, Apple is fracturing its iPhone sales in a way that it really hasn't done for a long time. I think the only other incident where this was really like two new phones in the same year was the the 5C and the 5S. Uh, and those were very different value propositions mm-hmm. than an 8 and a 10. Uh, and so if the shift is towards the 8 instead of the 10, uh, I would not be surprised um, because they have to sell two models of, of new phone <laughs> instead of just one. Uh, that said, from my personal experience, I'm with these guys. I, I have an iPhone 10. I really like it. Uh, it took me uh, a little time to get used to some of the um, new features. Face ID in particular took me a while to like get a hang of, but I actually feel like it works pretty well for me now. Um, I love the screen. It's amazing, and it is definitely at the point where when you go back and pick up an old iPhone, you're like... Why is, why, why is there all this missing screen space? <laughs> where, where are the corners? Where are my little ears? <laughs> um, so it, it, there's a lot here to like. It is a pricey flagship phone that I think, um, you know, as Dan pointed out, people are going to wait potentially to see if that trickles down into other new phones this year. So it's a really great phone if you can't afford it and you want it. So the funny thing about this is, is the all four of us talked about this in September. I don't know if you remember on Clockwise. And I was a little embarrassed afterward that I'd come down so hard on the iPhone 10 for being way too expensive at $1,000 to carry around in my pocket and inevitably drop in public toilets. Um, <laughs> so I was really interested about these production r- reports. So we'll see tomorrow, possibly, if they're true. But it's funny. I was surprised because, well, first of all, when I talked about it with all you guys, you were so excited about it. And I have seen, I have many friends who have bought iPhone 10s, even those who are not tech people, um, even those who don't even upgrade every year. And so all that I've heard from people with iPhone 10s is how great they are. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see um, what the, if we get any further news about this. Well, could all just be cognitive dissonance reduction as we try to console yeah. ourselves <laughs> to having spent $1,000 on a phone. <laughs> All right, that is two topics down, two topics to go, which, of course, means it's halftime. Micah, why don't you tell us about today's halftime sponsor? Well, Dan, I'd love to tell you about today's sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our friends at Squarespace. If you enter the offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Go ahead and make your next move with Squarespace. See, Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You've heard of them. You can uh, make a unique domain. You can use their award-winning templates and so much more. If you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, perhaps a roll of all of the products you've ever purchased that you've regretted. Well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about patches or upgrades or any of that because Squarespace has it all covered for you. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name so you can come up with something fun. All of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas and get guess what? They just launched a whole bunch of new ones. I've talked about before why I love Squarespace, and one of the main reasons is because they're always up to date with the latest technologies and features. When Apple Pay shipped, it was like, yeah, 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 check it out. We can do that. When HTTPS support was really uh, finally get, making its way out to some of the like less known places of the internet, uh, Squarespace was like, yeah, just come in and flip a switch, and suddenly you've got HTTPS support. Fantastic stuff. Well, if you want to get rolling on your own 
own site. Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, but guess what? You can go there. You can start a trial with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code clockwise to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for our show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for your support. And hey, if you do put together a site using our code, tweet at us. I want to check out your site. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. I'm rolling into it, Dan. Uh, so I've been writing a lot about the uh, Philips Hue Entertainment lighting system. Uh, it's this new thing that Philips Hue is doing where it's partnering with different media and gaming companies uh, to provide a sort of all-inclusive uh, ambient light experience. I've been thinking about... Um, upgrading for quite some time my own my own entertainment system just in general and i was just wondering uh do you have any fancy home theater setup you got a projection screen in the back of your wall or are you just working with some rabbit ear antenna on like an old uh what is it crtv we have a uh, we've got a nice 5.1 system but no lighting setup no like you know ambient light or anything like that we have a we do have a smart light switch so we can you know use siri to turn the lights on and off without getting up from the couch so we can be lazy first world lazy but uh, <laughs> but that's like the extent we have a you know your 10 years ago nice system where it's just a 5.1 with a big tv um but it's funny that you mentioned the philip hughes stuff and i think uh th- that that actually is interesting to me because uh we have a lot of smart home stuff in our house and the one thing that's unique about the hughes stuff and this entertainment lighting system kind of feeds into this is that um philips has really kind of opened They've opened their platform so that with a, um, a developer API, so that anybody can basically l- hook into the Hue lights. So we've got my daughter, for example, some Hue bulbs and lamps for um, for Christmas. Uh, she's a preteen. The idea of like having lights she can turn different colors in her room is like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And so, unlike with you know, say, um, I don't know, a Belkin a Belkin light switch where there's basically a Belkin app and that's it. Like there are, if you go into the app store, there's like dozens of hue controlling apps that can do different things. And there's one called like a, it's like light DJ and she can go in and launch this app and play music in her room. And it, all the hue lights will like sync and flash like disco lights in time wow. with the music and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's a free app on the app store. So, and uh, that kind of thing, I think, you know, Philips is tying into that with this entertainment system and that people, um, can who have home entertainment systems can then add other things and apps and like the 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 lights behind their tv will change to match the lights in the in the program on tv and that kind of thing but um i think the bigger story here for me is just that phillips is really running with this and they're like hey we've got these cool things let's let people do cool stuff with them and uh it's a lot of fun I also don't have any particular fancy light setup. I don't even have a 5.1 setup. In fact, the receiver and speakers I have hooked up to my TV are the same ones I had since high school uh, that my dad gave me. And they're actually pretty solid. Like, I mean, they've lasted 20 odd years. So I'm pretty happy with them. Although at some point I I do every once in a while cast my eyes enviously over some of those like Sonos play bars and stuff like that. Um, I have some Hue lights. Uh, I do like playing around with some of the automation stuff that they have done. As Dan pointed out, there are a lot of good third-party apps out there. So, like, when Halloween, we had a few people over, and we were, like, giving out candy and stuff. So, I set up, like, a a cycling animation pattern where the lights in the office, which is the front of the house, would, like, flash and change colors. uh, And we played some spooky music on the speakers and stuff like that. So, I like these sort of synergy (laughs) aspects of it. I don't know if they're things that I would use that much or if they would just become distracting. I've looked every once in a while at sort of those, like 
um what are they called the bias lights or whatever that like are are mm-hmm. you put behind your tv and i've kind of thought about it but at the same time i'm like i don't know it doesn't seem like it would necessarily enhance the experience that much for me and maybe i'm just looking for a gadget to play around with well i'm becoming way too self-aware now jolly <laughs> Well, we moved our we moved our TV setup down to the basement over the holidays uh, because we got a new Xbox and we wanted to have a new comfortable entertainment layer. Um, we have a Sony AV system, so we've had it for years now, and it's got a subwoofer and a sound bar. And once upon a time, it was fancy, but it actually it works great. Uh, but lighting has actually been a big problem in the basement because um, there's no dimmer on the basement lights and they're either like blazing or completely off. So I had recently started looking at the inexpensive bias lighting kits like Luminoodle. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's like Amazon's pick and it's only like $20. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what I'm going to go for just because I really just need some low light that helps you watch a movie but not be overwhelmed but now that i'm hearing about the hue lights uh i got a nine-year-old who would be pretty excited to have something like that for dance slumber parties so (laughs) now i'm curious all great answers let me just tell you like i'm sitting here sort of vibrating in my chair because i'm so excited about all of this Um, (laughs) um but i recently set up the hue entertainment system in my living room and they haven't made you know they haven't partnered with any companies that i have like media through yet. Uh, but when they do, I'm super excited about it. Uh, we'll post a, a link in the show notes or you can check out my article over on iMore. Uh, the reason why is because there I, I included two videos. And one of the videos is a music video from the Pixar movie Coco. Mm-hmm. And the way that the lights part like pair with what's going on on screen is beyond any sort of gimmicky thing that you've seen before. It is very, very, very cool. It's super integrated. And that's why Hugh is choosing to partner with companies as opposed to just sort of open this up and say, okay, you know, come in and use it how you want. No, it's like low latency and they're working really hard to make it look good and actually sync up. So it's it's pretty nifty stuff. And let's go to our last topic, which comes from Dan Frakes. Yeah, so it's January, which means that um, all the tech outlets are all talking about the things from CES and other shows about what's coming this year. Uh, all the new gadgets that, well, or may never come this year, as a case may be. But um, I'm think- curious about what, in the last year, what did you get in the past year that you've ended up really loving and that's changed you know, your tech life, so to speak? The one thing that I've used, and this is a kind of a recent purchase, but I've ended up using it a lot, and it's really been popular in the household, uh, is a Nintendo Switch. Um, I bought mm-hmm. one just after Christmas, because I'd kind of been uh, toying with it, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I'll buy myself a Christmas present. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I have a couple games for it. And I think what has ended up being the biggest sort of sea change for that uh is not only do i really like it my girlfriend really likes it she's gotten super into zelda we played a bunch of mario kart before that and what's nice is because of the fact that that it has this experience where you can play it portably or on the tv we've definitely had instances where it's been like one of us wants to watch something on tv or play a video game on the xbox and to be able to just pop the switch out and like sit next to each other on the couch even if we're playing separate games is actually kind of great like it means we don't have to fight over who gets television time and who gets <laughs> to play their video games and honestly you know that just smooths things over a lot and just makes things <laughs> nice and calm in the household and everybody <laughs> likes that so thumbs up on that what i think was the thing that i most enjoyed is our new samsung tv 
And we had a pretty nice uh, flat screen TV that we had inherited from my parents. But even though it was smaller than older TVs, it still was super heavy. And we had this quite a thing to get it on the wall, this giant block of wood. It was just a real kludgy way that we'd put put it up. Um, So our new TV is even bigger. It's getting like Fahrenheit 451 parlor wall. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're getting to that point. But it is so light and so thin that it just sits on a little stand. And we didn't have to worry about the wall. And it's really not heavy at all. Uh, But the thing I think I like about it the most is all the onboard controls that it has. And I know people who've bought TVs recently, this is normal to you. But as someone who hadn't, it's really exciting to be able to switch between Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and YouTube and our Xbox without having to go find our Roku or Apple TV remote or, you know, go over to the sound system and punch buttons to get to the right input. It's just all there. And the controller is really cool, too. It's very minimalistic and simple. It's truly almost Apple-like. So compared to our other, you know, we had like four controllers before that all had like a million buttons. Uh, That has been really nice. And I didn't think we needed a new TV, but it's been great for it to just be smaller and easier, bigger. 4K video quality is amazing. So that, I think, is my favorite thing of this year. Uh, I would have to say um, it's actually a a category of product. Um, I am a a big home kit aficionado and and home automation aficionado in general. And um, one of the products that I have quickly uh, fallen in love with, so to speak, uh, are the HomeKit switches or or just home automation uh, switches. They are a type of product that lets you sort of program them with different um, scenes or or uh, actions. So an example of that is I have the Logitech Pop Smart Switch in my office, um, and it's fastened to the wall just above the. Elgato Eve light switch that controls my overhead lighting. Um, And what this button lets you do is program three different things. Uh, A single press, two presses, and then a long press. And you can make each of those individual actions do different things. Uh, So these are great for sort of, I think, convincing people that the smart home is the way of the future. uh, Because, you know, you can struggle to get people to agree to not using regular old switches and using their voice, but let them have sort of the in-between. Yeah, so Dan, I actually almost had the Nintendo Switch too, because uh, <laughs> we we bought that in, in for Christmas, and it's been way better than we expected. I'm really kind of shocked. I thought it'd be cool, but it's actually been a huge favorite around the house. When I tried to take a step back and look at it as a family, uh, I ended up along the lines of, of Micah and, and smart home stuff. This year finally felt like the uh, the year that our smart home stuff kind of all came together. Uh, we added, I, I work at home and my office is in the back of the house and we added a smart doorbell and some outdoor cameras. And so now like when a delivery comes or when somebody's at the front door, I actually hear everything in my office. I can see what the kids are doing if they're playing outside, um, unsupervised. Uh, we've got um, a number of companies now are releasing software bridges for HomeKit, which wasn't mm-hmm. possible before this past year. So like our garage door opener has a HomeKit bridge. Um, all the old Wemo gear that I bought like five years ago that I kept thinking I was going to have to replace because it didn't interact with anything else now has a bridge that works great. So um, our whole sort of home kit has kind of come together now where we can automate things in the house. Just the little convenience things like having lights automatically look like you're away 
going on and off in different parts of the house automatically without having to install a timer on every little light. Uh, all those kind of things has been uh, it's been really useful for us, and I think the whole family has really gotten a lot out of it. All right, we have just enough time for a bonus topic, but first, let me tell you, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Booz Allen. Tell me if this sounds like you. You're more than just interested in digital technology. You're passionate about it, and you want to use your talents for a challenge you believe in, like moving business forward, advancing healthcare, and protecting those most vulnerable. You're all about solving problems. The more complex, the better. You think for yourself, but you know the best ideas happen when everyone has a seat at the table. Sound like you? Then you have a future at Booz Allen. Join a forward-looking team backed by a century of experience and fueled by collaboration. Booz Allen is looking for experts like digital technologists, cloud solution architects, digital solutions developers, and more to help make the world connected, agile, efficient, and safe. Discover why Booz Allen says empower change with us. Visit boozallen.com slash clockwise. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show. All right, really quick. I'm actually about to leave on a week-long trip to Iceland, uh, and one of the things I'm hoping to do while I'm there is see the Northern Lights, which is kind of on my Mm -hmm. bucket list. Really quick, Mm -hmm. is there something that is on your bucket list to see or to go? Sholly? I have a friend who used to travel every year on solar eclipse tours, and after this past summer's eclipse, I've been thinking that that would be really fun. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Uh, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I actually, Iceland is one of the places that I most want to visit. I got, I did my DNA test, uh, daily not too terribly long ago. And I have a surprising chunk of Icelandic DNA, which uh-huh. is interesting. So there's some of that in my, my past. And I would, uh, love to check out the place in general. Yeah. My wife went to New Zealand without me um, <laughs> about 15 years ago. And she always, she's been telling me ever since that it's the best place she's ever been. And so I've always wanted <laughs> to go there. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend also went to New Zealand before we knew each other. So yeah, hold that against her. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the show. All that's left is to thank our fantastic guest, Sholly McFarland. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And of course, Dan Franks, thank you so much for being here. Oh, anytime. Um, probably the next time Shelly's on, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Micah, they're about to play us off with the Minute Waltz. So we'll just remind everyone out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.